1: everybody this is john and welcome back to the sketch magazine podcast i am joined once again by the inimitable bill nichols and bob hickey and our subject for tonight is self-publishing why why would someone want to self-publish they are that's insane. what we want to talk about so. they're insane
2: they're insane they're
1: <laughs> insane so <laughs>
2: Too much time on their hands. <laughs>
1: I guess um, because it is tough. It is not by any stretch of the imagination easy. So um, I guess the most important thing for us to do first is define self-publishing for someone who th- you know someone who's going, what the heck are they talking about?
0: Right. Well, a self-publisher, the way I see it, is somebody who creates, produces, and Publishes as far as go to print or delivers the package to an audience um, Whether through a distributor or um, now we have online which we we need to discuss down the road Um, That would be a self-publisher a lot of your popular self-publishers Jeff Smith from bone Terry Moore from uh, Paradise strangers in paradise of course the turtle guys self-published their comics at the beginning now everybody publishes turtle comics yeah um those are the some of the dave sims from cerebus you know these guys created the package they took it to the printer they had it printed they offered through the distributor and they shipped it through the distributor and got it through the store it's really hard right now to fight for that shelf space for a self-publisher or small press i don't like the term small press self-publisher at the moment it's just it's really hard to get into catalog. It's hard to, for the store as a previous store owner, um, it's hard to fight for that shelf space because as a store owner, i got to make profit off that spot. So you've got to do a lot of work on your end for you can really be successful in a store. And, and Dave Sims, Terry Moore, uh, Jeff Smith, they all didn't just wake up one day and had one of the most popular books out there in the market. They worked hard at it.
1: Yeah, it's really important to define that. That way, because a a lot of people tend to get things mixed up. Like, a lot of people are seeing some of these smaller quote unquote studios and thinking, oh, that's self publishing. Well, it is in the broadest sense of the term, but that's actually a group where all the people you mentioned Mm -hmm. are really just more single entities or just a few people. you know, I once heard someone call Boom a self-publishing studio. It's no. like, well, uh, kind of, but
0: no. no. No, 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 no. They got editors and staffs. and
1: Right, exactly. You
0: know, you know I've self-published myself, and I've had a studio where we've published my stuff others, along yeah. with others. Yeah, like Bo Smith's Parts Unknown and Rick McCollum's Ashley Dust and uh, Tom and Mary Bearbaum's Dead Kid. Just the three I've done. So I've done both. I think myself, I'm heading back into or doing some self-publishing. And then self-publishing is you can produce a package, but you don't always have to quote-unquote self-publish either. If it's a good enough package like Laura Nez's um, book, she took it IDW. Right, The Dreamer. The Dreamer, and they published it for Now, honestly, you can't expect to make any money. You've landed a deal. you're published, you have graphic novels, yay! Problem is, by the time the distributors take their cuts, the publishers take their cut, you get some really nice-looking graphic novels at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing right now with Skystorm, and with you guys, is that I'm trying to figure out how to merchandise around that. I think that's what a lot of self-publishers have to look at. Is okay, I'm going to spend all this time, Bill, you know how much time it takes to produce a comic, Mm -hmm. you spent all this time but how can you benefit financially from doing that because even though we all do this because we love it same reason we do this podcast we love sharing how to make comics we have to figure out financially how you can take the amount of time it takes to make the comic to writing the drawing the inking the lettering coloring whatever all the steps And, and can you make enough money off actual the comic or can you take the the IP, the intellectual property, and merchandise around the comic, use the comic as a feeder to build a readership, a fan base, and those don't just come to you. We'll talk about how you have to build those, but then merchandise stuff around it. That's that's what we're sort of playing with ourselves right now, and we'll keep letting people know how successful or our failures in that. But So there's a lot more than just saying, I'm going to publish a comic, unless that's all you want to do. Being Blue Line, I have seen so many people buy paper, art supplies. They make their comic, they have a thousand printed, and they are tickled pink. You know, they did it. But they're not. it's not going to be a... They did the one comic. They're not going to continue to do multiple comics, because financially you have to get paid for that time invested. Too deep?
1: Yeah, no, no, no not at all. I was... Uh... I was just recalling once at a show and I'm not going to name the person because I don't want to embarrass him but um, he self publishes and he I think had sold two issues by the time I went up to get to talk to him uh, he said to me I I have to sell us one more and I'm happy
0: really yeah I, you know
1: I've, I've I've made my I've made my day I've made my Weekend. I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, he was overjoyed just to have so sold two or three. Uh, now, on the flip side, we all uh, know someone, and I will say his name, Eric Adams, who does mm-hmm. Lackluster World. Right. Who who completely does everything himself. Right. It's all him from beginning to end, and he's done a phenomenal job. Not only at putting out a just a really beautiful product but merchandising himself uh getting lackluster world's name out there right without having in any way to compromise his original story so i've been really impressed with the amount of work he does now he goes to you know a million shows a year too. So, mm-hmm.
0: well, Eric's stuff's very stylized too. So, yes, yes. When you're that stylized, you fall into a readership. You got, you gotta find an audience that likes that style. Right. And the, you know, of course, with comics, it's always the visual first, and then we decide whether we want to read the story or not. Eric's done a great job. Very very smart self publisher.
2: Right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about. it. On Expand? That <laughs> no, I mean, Eric, Eric, is, I like his stuff. And during the sketch card event, I remember one of his cards. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it got some buzz and, you know, I just really proud of what he did. You know, he got several different comments from people just on this. And it was in the style that he does his, his work, his comic. So, I mean, he's a, he is a really good example. I mean, we all, like I said, we all know other examples mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Scotty Ray Watson, and it was we mutually knew, and Scotty had worked for someone who had an opportunity to self-publish. Um, actually, his dad owned a printing business, and that was not a good experience. it may have been for some people, but uh, this guy, to me, it was it was a it was a wasted opportunity, you know, because he offered contests and different things. He was plunking his money into everything but production it seemed like. But you know, the benefit was that he had Scotty working for him. Th- that was a maybe a bad example. And for that guy that may not have been a you know a down thing. So and I also remember Ed Decker once upon a time, his goal was to be published by twenty one and he self published I think it was Black Bow or one of his books. You know, he made that goal and he had to self publish to do it. But in the course of the things he worked with other people a little bit. On, a, I think it was Butch Burkham I think, mm-hmm. and and some other things. But he also worked on a comic shop. But I mean, being an of five, once upon a time, we knew people who self-published all the time, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of them. And, and for some people, that is, you know, the ends of the means, you know, to get their work out there, and maybe that's the only way that they can get it out there, because other, you know, it may be too much of an individual view of, of things that, you know, major publishers, yeah, they're going to take a pass on it because it is such a stylized thing or just something that's not their cup of tea. So,
0: Right. Well, we all know, um, the three of us, we know uh, Darren, Jackie, and Krista. They self-publish on Ringtail Cafe. Mm-hmm. And they've done very good in their, uh, what was it, Animorph mm-hmm. comics. And recently, they did Confectionaries, which is an all-ages comic and uh, we've sold a lot of those in the store, and we actually had some people on on the pool list for for on the store. So you know they're starting to fill their niche and they're going with their strengths. They draw the animal stuff um, very well and write it very well. And now they're like now they're filling out how can we do this and get out of this little niche market and maybe do something like all ages and create a larger market for their product. So, and that's sort of what you've got to do. If you self-publish, though, you're the you're the creator, and you get people to work with you. I mean, Bill and I've worked together on a lot of projects over the years. Um, then you're the publisher, and then you're the promoter, and then you got to do the shows, you got to do signings, you got to talk to stores, you got to talk to distributors, you got to talk to printers. You've got to get the book printed. You got to pay the bills. And get it to sh- get it shipped to the distributors, and then the stores, and then do everything you can to help the stores sell the books to the people you talk to at the conventions. And that's pretty scary, because everybody yeah, okay. <laughs> everybody wants to sit at their art table and just draw. And, and it's and the cool thing is, hopefully, real soon that's going to happen to where you can cut out a lot of this, and self-publishing digitally will be the easiest way to do it. Basically, you still got to produce the whole book, but then you compact it into a digital file, offer it up on a, a digital distributor, and build your readership like online. As we're well, we're building the, the readership of this podcast by using social medias, you just really build those up. They don't take as much time, and uh, you can build your readership up that way. We're we're going to be experimenting with that also with SkyStorm. So yeah, there's there's other opportunities now than there was. Ten years ago when we did this, when we did it. Eighteen years ago when we first started, yeah, folks were that old. Um, <laughs> older. It's <getting> older. <laughs> um, it's getting exciting. It is with the digital opportunity. So um, self-publishing, we're going to see a lot, a lot of different genres and a lot of different art. And, you know, I just hope, well, for myself, I hope they continue to draw on paper, <laughs> not digitally. They just do think, uh, huh?
1: I was about to say, I don't think paper will ever fully go away.
0: I think by the time I retire, it's going to be about gone. I've seen some of the new softwares, and we'll talk about them in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think... I think it's going to become more drawn. on paper will be a hobby. just like a lot of painting is now. Right. Acrylics, watercolors, and stuff. Then if you're actually producing... You will produce on a Wacom.
1: Oh, so. well, yeah. I mean, creation wise. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, I just don't think reader wise.
0: I think floppies uh, are going to be gone. I yeah. Think we're going to Because
1: even I'm kind of losing the floppy habit.
0: See, I, I don't know. I'm old school. And
1: I was a big advocate for those, but.
0: Right. But yeah, I think um, as I've seen digital music come along with my 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing digital comics coming along with my 9-year-old. And I see him getting a lot more of his content online as far as Cartoon Network. He can watch any show he wants when he wants to. Uh, right. He can download comics and read them. So um, that's all exciting, though. That opens this whole niche market up to tons of people. So I think self-publishing can go crazy. But you've got to also be able to build your readerships. you got to go to shows and, or go to wherever you can reach the market you're trying to reach. Right. Is it a comic show? Beginning next week, I'm, I'm launching a site called claysway.com. I've got 20 strips now from Jackie. Um, and the site's based around ADHD kit. It's based on my two boys. I'm thinking marketing-wise, I can do a lot more with schools, libraries, And just just um, LD classes and stuff like that, meetings, and promote the resource part of the site there. So you got to keep your mind open of where you can reach your audience. Is your book about cars? Try a couple hot rod shows. See if you can get people to take a look at it. Yeah, they might say I'm not into comics, but it doesn't hurt to try. Um, With Race Danger, we're launching next year. We might go do a couple NASCAR shows. Just to see, see how they do. So you got to keep your mind open to where, you know, you can reach an audience, a craft show, or you can keep it local and keep it affordable. You can can spend a ton of money doing these shows, a ton of
1: money. Yeah, you have to be smart about what, you know, especially starting out, you have to be really smart about how involved you want to be in the uh, kind of glitzy, flashy part of your self-promotion. Right. You know, I have seen a couple of people who have books that lo- literally look like they threw them together the day before. But they've got these massive setups mm-hmm. and posters and, you know, standees and animatronics and all sorts of other crap going on behind them. Hey, but I the book looks bad.
0: I've stapled a few ash cans on arning boards and hotel rooms the day before a show.
1: Yeah, but, know. you know, the quality of the work is still there. Right, right. Even right. if it's in an ash can. Right. This looked like it was made from the ashes from the can, <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, it's definitely, there's definitely, you need to get your book uh, straight first. I think we hit pretty heavily on, you know, the pitfalls of mm-hmm. self-publishing, Um Maybe to, you know, bring those people back who we just completely (laughs) scared out of the genre. Uh, What are the benefits? What do we think the benefits of self-publishing are? I mean, we already mentioned one or two, like, you can get to control your own story.
0: Right.
1: You know, you don't have those extra editorial notes on your story. Right. What are the other benefits?
0: Ownership is a big thing. You own it. Um, a lot of times you can go to another publisher and they're going to get some type of rights to your project, whether it's film rights, merchandising rights, a, uh, they own the trademark and you own their, the uh, copyright. It just There's all kinds of stuff out there that you can fall into and you have to be careful. Um, I went not sign a contract for a property, tied it up for five years. We got six issues out. It was great. We didn't make a dime from it. Bill was involved in that. And um, I barely got the uh, creative talent paid um, because the publisher sold the books at too low, low of a cost and the print prices came in over budget. So we didn't make a dime off of it. So and there you go. I'm scaring people away. The thing is, <laughs> I signed a five-year contract. I got the property back, though. So right. Full ownership. It's mine. I think the biggest benefit is that Hey, for me, anyway, when I publish a book, and I'm so looking forward to doing this again next year, is is introducing it to a new reader, and then have them come back later that day or next day and says, you know, I read it and I really enjoyed it, and then ask me questions about it, because that really showed me that they did read it. So um, the enjoyment that somebody took the time out and actually read it, and and then one wants more. That that's read. a great feeling it, it really pushes you get you pumped up get you going so that's a huge plus um along with ownership full rights of merchandise i know i keep talking money because it's it's an important part that a lot of creators overlook
1: well yeah i mean gotta You gotta know, make people, a living right you know if uh if you are planning to make comics your living mm-hmm. you know if you're planning not to have to work a day job right uh money is something you're going to have to deal with unless you're just happen to be independently wealthy. And if you are uh see me after the show.
0: <laughs> well, even then, even if you're doing them on the side, you still have to offset that time. You, you've got to recoup your investment, right? Yeah. your time investment. Um, so, and there's ways, but I, Bill, what do you think some of the huge benefits you're working on a property now with Gary Barker, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is that it is the, uh, it's sort of a, a visual version of the great American novel for some people. It's the it's the fulfillment of a dream for some people, uh, which may make it sound kind of lofty, but you know it's it is that it you know it, yeah you own it. It is something of you, something of yours, um, and it's a, your personal vision, and it gets it out there, and yeah there is a marketing aspect of it and there's a creative aspect of it and if you self-publish you have to balance all those things and sometimes with the the pains of you know say birthing this thing uh, creating this thing sometimes you learn from that and that can be a painful lesson but sometimes it's a lesson that can be learned and it's also a lesson that you can teach other people by say writing a tutorial for sketch magazine about how not to promote your book you know, what I did to successfully put my book, but, right. um, you know, but I think, I think that that personal fulfillment is a big thing for, you know, for some people and it doesn't, it, not that you have to create this and everyone has to just absolutely love it. Of course, I mean, you like that, but you know, getting it out there and having one more thing off your, you know, your own bu- personal bucket list. Right. Uh, for, for me, that's, that's something that's, you know, I have a lot of projects going on. Mm. You know, I have a lot of irons in the fire. And, you know, out of those things, that's, you know, really it's not about me. It's about comics, really. And I think for some people that it is just about comics. It's about doing comics and creating comics and being part of something bigger than yourself. And that's what this industry is. I mean, there are so many people in it, yes, but you are part of it. Right. And even if you self-publish, you are part of it. Now, I I have also seen those people who, are self-publishing parts of it who dress up in, you know, suits and
0: with uh-huh. ponytails,
2: you know, you know, the Flash, but they don't have the substance to back it up yet. Right. But sometimes that like I said, that is a painful lesson maybe that they have to learn once they get home and realize they don't have anything in their wallet to justify doing another show anytime soon. But that, that is, uh, for me and, and for other people that I know and have talked with, getting your your voice heard in a way like right. getting your stories out there
1: you just touched on something i think it's really important there's a reason that a lot of people call their comics their babies <laughs> because mm-hmm. they it really is this kind of birthing process you're giving birth to a creative idea and i think you can usually tell that if someone is just thrown away an idea. It's like, oh, yeah, I did this book, and yeah, who cares, whatever. Uh, those are generally the books that don't catch people, that people just sort of go, eh, that's cute, but whatever. The, the ones that people just really pour their heart and soul into, and they pour their heart and soul into the process of it, the marketing and everything else of it, I think those are the books that really tend to be successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can usually tell someone's voice is in it like we mentioned you know jeff smith carrie moore uh both those people i mean that's pretty darn obvious that that is their voice that is them speaking through the page i think to the reader
0: right well i think both of those creators and you get through dave sims is one of the oldest yeah yeah true there. they each had a vision and probably Dave's vision varied more than anybody's out there. He just sort of went with whatever was going on that year for him. But um, they each had a vision of where they want to start and where they wanted those properties, both of those properties, Strangers in Paradise and Paradise and Bone, have ended. Right. So these creators knew what they wanted. They had a story to tell. And whether they sold one copy of the books or they were successful with it, they were going to produce those books. And that's what you really have to do. Set yourself up like, okay, I can allot this much time. I can create the stories. I can get them done. I can learn how to letter, or bring in a friend. I can get it packaged. I don't care if I sell it only to Aunt Jane and Uncle Jack and mom and dad a copy, or if I can get out and do shows and get online and build a really cool website around it and blog and post and create a podcast and really build a readership for it. Um, And so thousands, you know, I want to tell this story. I'm sort of getting that mode myself with race danger. There's a set story I want to tell. I've lucked out and found a wonderful artist, Yuko Smith. And so I've got those feelings myself right now. It's okay, I know where I want to take it. I know where it's going to run. The cool thing is a lot of times these things sort of take over themselves. And that's the fun part of self-publishing. And you asked earlier about that. The fun part is... Yeah, you know what? This was gonna be a four issue story, but man, this one thing we started talking about, the characters started writing themselves. We're gonna beef this up to six issues, you know. Um, because it just took this whole turn. And a lot of you know, I always say a lot of times on Blood and Roses characters wrote themselves. They had their own personalities. I just threw the story arc out there and then wrote down what these two characters would do with it, you know. That, that that's fun. That is so fun. You don't have an editor or a publisher over you saying produce, 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 and no, that doesn't work. Even though it's the way that character would be, it doesn't work. So there's a lot of benefits to it.
1: I think another one of the benefits is time. Yes. You know, you have the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people who were new to the business, know in their head whether or not it looks quote-unquote right most most of them most of them do most (laughs) of them do um some some people have this uh you know uh that old quote the world is made for people without self-awareness some people have that self-awareness problem but you know most people who are really serious about comics and serious about their work can tell it's not right so oh, yeah. one of the good aspects of self-publishing is you can take the time and do it right whether it takes a couple of months whether it takes years
0: bill was talking about the conventions and stuff um you've got to produce though you can't do oh yeah you well, know, you can't yeah. do you, know, you can't do one and then one, not do
1: it for 30 years yeah and then
0: the next convention a year later still have right. one you know that's one thing that um Darren and Jack and Krista does with Ringtail, is they try to produce a new issue.
1: Right. there's always have a something
0: new, one new to produce. sell. You have something sell to your past customers at a, at a show, right. and something new to introduce somebody else. But,
1: but I'm thinking that first time, mm-hmm. really, you know, to do it right. Now, yeah, once you've done it and it hits, then yeah, you definitely have to get on your horse, you know, and start running with the thing.
0: Treat it like a real job yeah you can enjoy it it can be your hobby uh and everything but when you're when you're seriously sitting down treat it like okay, I need to produce this much in this certain right. amount of time
1: actually that'd be a good uh that'd probably be a good thing for a future show is mm-hmm. to uh you know kind of discuss what how to treat it like a real job but here you know, we won't get scheduling off scheduling and everything. everything yeah yes yeah. Scheduling your time, budgeting your time around, you know, your life, Mm -hmm. uh, what your workspace should look like and all that other stuff. Because I think all that's really important, but I don't want to venture too far away from our original topic. Um, I also think it's very important when you get out into shows Mm -hmm. that you have to go with. I don't want to. I don't think this quote is perfect, but it's close. You, you have to go out with some fear and arrogance, you know, you have to go out there and not be overbearing, but definitely think your book is worth looking at. Oh yes. And, you know, and it's really something that that guy walking by with, uh, you know, the swag bag that the show promoters gave him, um, Really needs to stop and look at your book.
0: And that, that's one of the hardest things you can do. Is and we'll there again. This whole, nother podcast yeah, in a the whole shows, other podcast is yeah. That's whole another podcast, but no, you've got to believe that somebody else wants to read the story as much, as bad as you want to tell it. And uh, you can't just sit there all quiet. You've got, like I said, you got to be the barker. Sometimes you can't, like you said, you can't be overbearing. Right. You can't. Uh, you can be, but a lot of times it's a turnoff. Um, right. It's sort of funny because Darren and Chuck was telling me about Charlotte this year, and their neighbor oh, yeah, that guy. Haven,
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah. he had like 10,000 oh, discs made, and he sold like three, yeah. and he went from being real quiet and didn't even look people in the eye to then he'd, you know, he'd tell kids to go get 20 bucks from their moms. They buy his disc or something I don't know
1: yeah, well, no the sad thing the sad thing was he was coming to us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were one of the few tables there who weren't selling a thing. we weren't promoting anything, we were you know we were doing our interviews and writing our stories and doing that you know, doing what we do at shows right well, uh this guy was coming to us asking advice. <laughs> On what to do to sell his stuff because he had he had that huge, big, flashy setup, you know, um, and I think he just mi- really misjudged the audience because the game he was hawking, there is no, there's not as much gameplay to it as there is kind of just going through things. Right. There's no, there's no conflict in the Mm -hmm. game you're essentially searching around and reading things and you know things like that and um i think he really just misjudged the idea i mean he you know he had the prerequisite uh busty uh female character posters and big standees and all that stuff but um yeah, I just uh, I don't think marketing was this uh, young young man's first right. job because I think he just really misjudged.
0: But that's a good point to bring up, though. As a self-publisher, you've got to gauge where you're going to put this book.
1: Yeah, you got to know and, your audience. you got to yes. know the room.
0: Just talk you know. to the show promoters. Right. You know, look and they're not going to tell you right offhand true attendance, but they'll give you some type of number. Understand. You're going to get a very, very small percentage of that attendance by your table. And you're going to get a very, very smaller percentage to actually stop. Because a lot of times people will walk down the center of the aisles, not look you in the face, and just either head where they're going or glance around. So, and here again, another podcast, we need to talk about setting up booths. But you need to have your product as a self-publisher up where they can walk by it and they see an interesting image you know whether it's a standee or a big blow up or your cover or the backdrop something to stop them and go oh what's this then it's your hook to go let me show it to you right um, a lot of times if you can give them freebie stuff but it's, it's self publishing it's very gratifying in producing the book it's very hard to be in a, a publisher And a promoter also. I think a lot of this is going to change digitally, too. Online and using the medias to promote your book.
1: I think even then that becomes a double-edged sword because you have to be really... You have to almost be a little careful Mm -hmm. about uh, how you're promoting and where. Mm -hmm. Because I think that... uh, like, say, for instance, if you have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were signed in as yourself, and sometimes you're doing promotional things, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're just being kind of, you know, yourself. Right. You you have to remember that people are looking at that name, mm-hmm. and they're saying, oh, okay, well, you know, this person over here who a minute ago was promoting this book I thought might be interesting just said something over here that i don't necessarily agree with so i'm not going to buy his book now
0: right well you and i've had conversations about yeah. what you post and right, you're absolutely right. right and um here's my big tip of the podcast bill has bill and i sort of was in a while in a competition to see how many friends we could each get on facebook yeah. remember that bill oh yeah yeah and you were kicking my butt for a long time um but people like him. Yeah, I know. I don't know why they like the big guy. They
1: really, really like him.
0: <laughs> but way I started visualizing this is that, you know, when you get so many friends and your friends are a mix of people you don't have a clue who they are. You mm-hmm. popped up on an okay list, they okay People you know business wise, people you know you went to school with, and then you then really your friends and families. So you have to be careful what you post. You can't say, you know, got up and just felt like crap today and I'm not going to do anything. Sit here. And then next thing it says, hey, by the way, buy my book. Yeah. You know, what I try to do is mix a little personal stuff, just like um, I posted online about the vacation. It was right. sort of humorous because we sank a boat, you know. And that's sort of funny. And you give them enough of that you know who I am. So when I post by the way, we just posted Sketch Magazine Podcast Three is now available, they'll say, Okay, Bob's plugging his day job. They're cool with that. Right. Either they're interested in listening to us or if I when I get Clay's way going, I'll be dropping posts about that to go check out and see what I'm doing. Or you know, they just wanna you know, it could be family just wants to hear, you know, what the kids are doing. Right. I I don't go real deep and personal on stuff on this kind of stuff. But you've got to open up enough to make them, i call it cheers, the cheers effect. Mm-hmm. Like if we're all sitting around talking and having a beer. Norm! <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's one of the cheers, and we get to slide a little bit of business stuff in with it. Right. So.
1: And, and Well, and I think a lot of that may work for you because people, a lot of people know you or they've heard you enough on podcasts or whatever, that they kind of get a sense of you. Now, someone fresh off the farm, mm-hmm. I, I'm i kind of torn, but I don't think it's necessarily the worst idea if they get a separate Twitter or Facebook or whatever for, their, uh, for the book that they're trying to promote.
0: When I have both.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They yeah. can have both.
0: Well, I, just like with Clay's way, here again, I will do yeah. a lot of things, and then on here, I'll report how it's doing. Right. Um, we created a Clay's way Facebook page, and I haven't really posted a lot other than the initial setup. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll be posting there and here, and I'm interested in see how it grows. Does it build its own audience? Because it'll be heavily promoted on the site, and as I go do other people's podcasts and blogs and stuff to promote that site. Where's it going to go as far as friends and who joins it and everything? So it's okay. an interesting experiment. Now, on Clay's Way, I'm not going to post personal stuff, though. Well, yeah. it will be stuff about the site. And even though that site has is about the kids and the family, there'll be some information there, but not, not like, hey, we just took a vacation. Here's a photo of Luke catching his first fish. You know, not that kind of stuff. Yeah. Getting back to self-publishing, you've got to use all these things. They don't cost you. Facebook don't cost you. Twitter don't cost you. They take very little time unless you get hooked up in some games, Bill.
2: Um, I warned you about that.
0: <laughs> I shut my farm bill down months ago now. Everything's dead and dried up. And uh, it, they're free. And, and if you only have 10 or 20 people on your list, that's 10 or 20 people who get your post. It's not costing you but a few minutes of time and using it. So I don't use MySpace too much. It's part of my broadcast. I use a, a software called HelloText.com. It's H-E-L-L-O-T-X-T.com, and you can make one post, and it goes out to all your, your social media outlets once you set them up. So I post through that to my MySpace, but I don't get on the MySpace that much. I so. think it's
1: died out mostly.
0: Somebody told me it's, it's going more to towards the music, and that's the, right. Dark Horse jumped off of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was Dark Horse's primary reason. They were saying, you know, they've gone almost totally back towards promoting music. So Dark Horse decided to take their Dark Horse Presents, just bring it back in house, right, and start running it that way again, right. Which is probably better ultimately for them anyway, because oh, you know, yeah. MySpace has definitely gone back to uh, you know, kind of the uh, the niche market it was when it began.
0: Right, right now Facebook seems to be the leader.
1: Facebook is a thing now. Wow. Uh, we all use, or you know, a lot of us use LinkedIn mm-hmm. as as more of a business thing, and I think from a a business aspect, that's kind of smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, once you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to start being not just me, but actually being a business or a studio. Right. I think it's important to you know look at start looking at stuff like that.
0: LinkedIn uh, was the other one. Plaxo, Bill.
2: Pla or pa- Plaxo. Plaxo. Yeah. Plaxo. Plaxo Pulse. Yeah.
0: That's another business one, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. And it's got a little bit. Of- you, can, you know, it will mix posts and stuff, but both of them are, you can feed your blog into them. I think one of them, you feed your Twitter. Right. Uh, it's, so it's more multifunctional than right. it used to be. And, you know, they're always changing stuff too, so.
0: Right. Awesome, guys. So how many people have we chased away with the self-published?
1: <laughs> I think we brought them back in the end.
0: Good. Good. It, it's well worth it. You know, put out your best work and just know that your next work is going to be your ne- the, your best work then your next work's going to be even better than that. And just by producing and buying blue line paper um, and making more art, you're going to, you're going to get better. And uh, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy writing or drawing, it, it's well worth it. I, I've never figured out, it's sort of funny, i talked to other creators, why, why do we love comics so much? What is it about comics that we can never like, get away from? I mean, I sold my store today. I turned around and shook the guy's hand and said, I'll see you Wednesday to pick up my new stuff, you know? It would be so easy to break away. But it's something that it's just we love. I mean, Chuck Moore, look at Chuck. started CR and everything because of his love of comics. So, and that's publishers. One thing I want to talk about publishing, though, we talk about self-publishing. There's many aspects of self-publishing. Um, there's the micro comics, mini comics. What are those called nowadays? Like the small, uh, little folders. Oh,
1: the itty bitty things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're just called mini. Minis now. I, I,
2: right, I know there
1: used to be some cute little name for them, but it just left right out of my head.
2: <laughs> well, at one point, they used to be small. they used to be the small press comics, right? You know, uh, and even you know the smaller versions of those, because I did amalgam like 20 years ago, that was mine. And at the time, I think we called it small press. So that was, you know, a term that we sort of agreed upon. But, you know, everybody had their own take on what it should be. So Right. But, yeah.
0: So what I'm saying is the end product, probably nowadays, it's more open to anything. Uh, Before, you had to produce a comic. And it had to be... Six and three quarters by ten and eight, it needed to be twenty plus pages and you know if it wasn't color, it wasn't great, but you know we were getting away with black and whites nowadays, different shapes, different sizes, different packagings um, however however you can shape it to grab your audience. you know if your book is a all ages book, so you want to set it up and bound it like a children's book. Where the staples are on like the top, what would be top, and it's folded and opens up like a children's book. Whatever it takes, that's what you want to do to build your audience. And There's several different markets out there to do that. Um, what's the um, space is a great convention to do if you're mm-hmm. self-publishing.
1: Definitely,
0: um, I didn't get to do it this year. I did it last year, and I will definitely do it next year.
1: I like Ohio Con. Isn't bad.
0: Right, Middle Ohio. For that too, yeah. So there's some free plugs, guys. Space is cool because there's it's just all self publishers, right? No dealers, and there's a lot of inner trading and swapping and uh, building companionships and stuff. And Bill, you need to come up next year for that, because you you probably know a lot of the people at the show, from probably yeah, from online and stuff. And mm-hmm. I like to, I like I like to see the show bring in more outside audience. You know, bring in more new readers and uh, work towards that. But it's a great atmosphere for creating. If you're a creator and you're in that show, it's wonderful. So they built a great show for for this. They're called Small Press. I forget exactly what space stands for, but it's a great show. Look it up. Uh, Middle High Con is a really good show. Um we got one one here in Cincinnati that I'm interested in seeing next month i don't know how it's gonna go uh but it's Cincinnati con so i don't know it's if there's gonna be a lot of self publishers or dealers or what yet so it's
2: Cincinnati uh, Comic Expo yes dot com. yeah. Okay.
1: yeah and uh champion city con is uh is a new one day uh that is extremely creator friendly when is that champion city will be September eleventh this year
0: okay i might buzz up for that you guys are head yeah top, you right? should
1: yeah we're heading up we're set up at that show actually we're uh we'll be selling stuff at that show That's but I,
0: uh, heard. I heard your wife's gonna man a table
1: yes she is she's gonna yes. sell some of my she's gonna sell off some of my junk all right <laughs> get some of the stuff out of the house but um
0: but those yeah, little shows are great for publishing yeah because they're cheap to get into you know, 25, 50, 60, 70 dollars a table, um, so they're very affordable. They're not overwhelmed because there's Marvel, DC, and stuff like that. So, being a self-publisher, you can go in, you can set up your wares, you get more one-on-one with the audience, and it's it's usually you get a much better experience from the get-go. And, and those are great shows to build up your confidence. The build up the way your delivery, you gotta have a delivery. Um, Bill, a couple of years ago, we set up a Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that was the worst show I ever did for myself. The reason was I had no new stuff, I was so rusty at delivering what you know our goods. And uh, after that show, even though Blue Line did great, it always does great. Um, I realized that if we're going to do this studio, we got to create new material. We've got to work on our delivery and how to present it and have something to give uh, people walking by, have eye-catching displays. So that was sort of a wake-up call for me a couple years ago. So it's a, it's a lot, lot to think about. But really start with some smaller shows and work your way up. I know every show is a little different. The way it's ran, uh, the audience that comes in. So prepare your books and your materials to reach that. But you got to build up your readership as a self-publisher. It's up to you. Because you're it. Hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry I <laughs> You kind of
1: said it all with that.
0: Okay. So we want to wrap?
1: Sounds good.
0: All right. Yeah. Oh, oh, we have an email. It is podcast at net. So please email any questions or subjects. To that email. Last night I posted podcast three um, and on my Facebook I hyped it and I had a Michael email me. and He says, Just listen to podcast two and three. Thanks. Lots of good advice. Thank you, Michael. I'm going to be adding a few items to my portfolio and my packets. Thanks again. He had two questions. One was, I always get Sketch Magazine through the comic shops. Do you have any official street dates? No, we don't. Yeah. He wants to let his shop know. Um, anybody who has a shop who carries sketch, they need to contact Blue Line. Um, either email info at bluelinepro.com or call 859 282 0096 and make sure they're on a store list to receive it. He says, Any thoughts of attending C2E2 next year, whether it be booth or walking? I plan on setting up at C2E2 next year. And from now on. That
1: was a great show.
0: Yeah, I know. We'll be there in some capacity. I know CR will be there, so John, you'll probably be there. Absolutely. Um, I'm probably yep. going to have the studio, and now when I set up the studio, we're going to include Sketch with it and the podcast information. So, yeah, we will be at uh, C2E2 next year, definitely. Um, I posted that on Facebook. You can come back. Sounds good. Are we soliciting through previews with Sketch? We're going to solicit 41 with the Alex Ross interview through previews and see what the orders come back as. Um, The distributing has really changed up at Diamond. Magazines have never done well there. We've done better self-distributing through art stores, distributors, art distributors, and directly to comic shops. So we're going to give Alex Ross, who I think will be our premier cover. Um, Yes, I loved Adam Hughes and everybody else I've ever done, but I, I think this one should draw some attention. We will just see how well it sells. See if we continue after that issue. Next email or Facebook post is Steve Steglin. Bill, you remember Steve? Oh yeah, he I printed him. He posted enjoying your podcast. Reminds me of sitting around at conventions with you and Bill back in the day. Keep it up. Steve <laughs> Steglin did a book called Boondoggle.
2: Yeah, he worked, I loved that book. Yeah, that, I it too. That's what I wrote him.
0: Yeah, he uh. You know, that- he worked in my studio. Yeah, I'm thinking it has been 15 years ago. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And um, he worked for me, helped run the studio stuff. Um, he would draw these little characters. I really encouraged him to get a book done. And we published several books together. And since then, he's moved on. He's working on some papers, and he's doing a lot of editorial cartoons. And he's doing really well, but I enjoy seeing Steven. He comes back into town to see his family and, Usually stops in. So, uh, Stephen, I really appreciate it, and uh, keep it up. Keep Boondoggle going. That was a cool book. Um, we actually do have an email here, Mike. First of all, I think your magazine is great, and enjoyed your first podcast. Great. I hope you enjoyed the second one, third one too. Um, I paint my comics with watercolor, but I cannot seem to get the same look using Photoshop. Can you please tell me if there are Good tutorials on doing watercolor paintings in Photoshop. I have a Wacom tablet and Photoshop CS3. I can't really tell you of any tutorials that I personally know at this time.
1: I'll have to do some research on that one because.
0: If you find. Yeah,
1: I can't think of anything watercolor based, but.
0: It would be using that watercolor brush and everything that's on CS3. But, um,. If you find them, just go ahead and post them up on the um, right. sketch date.
1: No, I definitely will, because that's a good idea. Um, yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, the only thing I could tell him to do is mess with the transparency. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely do a little research on that and uh, see what I can find, and we'll get back to you next time.
0: Yep, that sounds good. And be checking over, um, over on um, ComicRelated.com sketch, because yep. that's where they'll appear. But um, it Absolutely. sounds like... Project we're look working on is creating tutorials, video tutorials. That might be one we need to put on the list early on.
1: That's that fun. might be the first Good. one right there. Yeah. So we'll have to give him credit for giving us our first idea yes. for the video tutorial.
0: Um, that's about it. um Get a hold of us again. It is podcast at sketchmagazine dot And you send us questions. We'll do our best to go over them and give you an answer or. Hopefully, if we can't right then, we can follow up with it later. So, uh, I think that's a wrap, guys. It's been a good one.
1: Yeah. It has definitely been a good one. But before we go, yeah, uh, in terms of uh, what you were just doing there, we should probably do our own shameless plugging <laughs> of ourselves and uh, tell everyone where they can find us on the web. Go ahead, John. Oh, me first. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, um Oh, it was my idea, so I go first. Okay, well, uh, of course you can always find me at uh, sketchmagazine.net. Uh, you can most often find me at comicrelated.com. Uh, my email there being john at comicrelated.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I think my name there is John W. Comics Guy, uh, and Facebook. I don't remember. I think that's Big Talking Monkey at yahoo.com. But if you find the Twitter, you can probably find everything else. So that's pretty much it. You can also hear me uh, unless you're totally sick of my voice already. You can generally hear me every Wednesday on the Related Recap and every Friday on Zone Four, both on ComicRelated.com.
2: Next, Bill. Okay, you can usually find me on. Comics Mentor, that's my site, and that will tell you pretty much everywhere that I am or if something's going on, uh, including the podcast, anything that I find cool, art contests, that's my main place. And then, of course, the comic related board. And also, we're going to be blogging on sketchmagazine.net, too. So, you know, those three places really are key places to catch us or catch me.
0: And I'll be last. I'm over at bluelinepro.com. I'm at sketchmagazine.net. Um, you can catch me on Facebook at rhickey. I think it's Facebook slash rhickey. Or you can search Robert W. Hickey and then it'll come up. On Twitter, you can catch me. It's uh, Robert Hickey, all one word. There's links to these on sketchmagazine.net for all three of us. So you can go over there and join our Twitter accounts looks like we need to put the Facebooks on here. My email would be robert at net. And, uh, beginning next week, I will be launching playsway.com. So, uh, I'll update you more on that on the next podcast. So I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you.
1: And I think that's going to do it for us tonight. So, uh, for all three of us we just want to say thanks Uh, thanks for listening uh we hope you continue to enjoy it and please continue to send us your questions and
2: messages and requests for topics
1: and topics
2: yes things you want to know we'll talk about it
1: yeah we we don't do this in a vacuum folks you know we we uh are interested in finding out what you like what you want to talk about and uh Just, you know, generally, if we start hitting on the same thing too much, let us know. Right. And we'll be glad to, like Bill says, we'll be glad to talk about anything you want to hear about related to the creation of comics. And that's it.
0: That's a wrap.